This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. Man, that was, that was dramatic. That was awesome. Thanks to our, our production team again, Dan and the gang, doing all the, all the fun stuff on the screens for us. Um, I, I love that it gives us a sense of, uh, of what's to come, like it sort of opens up the series really well for us to think about what uh, the next few weeks are going to be like. And um, yeah, we're going to be looking at the, the five smallest books in the Bible, some uh, of which get overlooked quite often. And, uh, and we're looking at Philemon today, but uh, we, we often overlook some of these books because of the fact that they're small, unless, I don't know, how many of us are doing like a structured Bible reading plan that sort of get through, like I know Mel's doing a, the Bible in a year kind of thing, and, um, and so you get to go through those things, but sometimes we, we, just, we just sort of drift through the books and then get to the next one, and we, we, we actually don't... Um, sort of deep dive in a bit and find out what, what the gold is in some of those stories. And so um, this series is uh, designed to help us to actually find what, what the great stuff is in these small books because they've got, um, they've got bigger stories than, than they look like they've got. And so um, it's going to be a fun series and I'm excited to start that today. Um, th- the thing is about these small books is that they've They've been preserved and, and put into our Bible because they're valuable. Um, one of my favourite authors, Andy Stanley, says, you know, when you go to a hotel, you get, the, you get your wallet and your keys and your extra cash, you put them in the safe that's in your room and you put them in the safe not to make them valuable, you put them in the safe because they're valuable. And it's the same with each of these stories that we're going to be going through. Each of them have been... Um, preserved and compiled and put into our Bible because they are so valuable. They have something big to say and we should be actually really grateful for some of the people who, for some of these stories, they had to be fought for to be included in our New Testament. I know the book of Philemon almost didn't make it in um, a couple of times and so uh, what we get out of some of these stories is is just brilliant and so it's a really good thing. Um, I think some of the writers of these books would be staggered to, to think that 2,000 years later, we're still reading their letters and their books and, the, and these chapters of the Bible that we, we get to glean from. I think they'd just be amazed that we're still doing this now. And that's the thing that I love most about the Word of God is that it's, it's a living entity. It just keeps giving. It keeps helping us grow in our discipleship journey. Um, because all of these words spoken and encouragements from people to, to churches and church groups and, and, and personal letters like this one um, get to encourage us years and years and years and years later. And so today we're going to get into Philemon. But um, I just wanted to ask you, have, has anybody in the building been robbed or had stuff stolen from them before? Anyone at all? Lots of people. Oh my gosh! So this is this is 
this is, um, this is pretty relevant to this story. Um, when Mel and I were both, uh, well, of course, we were both married. Um, we were married at the same time. And for a while there, um, we lived in a little unit in Ferntree Gully. And after being out one evening, we came home to find our laundry door had been broken into and people had come into our house and stolen a heap of stuff. My CD collection disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and other things that uh, were of less value than that. But, um, but they'd come into the house, they'd, they'd pulled stuff out, they took our DVD player and they'd uh, been into our bedroom and emptied all of our drawers and stuff onto the bed and they'd been going through all of our stuff trying to find something valuable. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> um, but it, the, the, the way that I responded was to get really angry. I, I was just, I was so angry that somebody had come into our house and taken stuff that didn't belong to them. Like it just, I, I was just so incredibly um, furious with the fact that somebody would dare to do that. And um, I, I don't think I processed the whole uh, situation very well. I got really, really upset. And, um, and, and because we felt, I think, uh, more vulnerable in our home and we felt like our, our home, a place of safety, had been violated. And so I didn't handle that um, all that well. And, and it's really interesting how we respond to different situations, isn't it? The way that we process these kind of events and situations can often reveal things within us that maybe need to change so that we can handle life a bit better in other ways. So today we're going to look at Philemon, a one-chapter letter from uh, Paul to a friend of his. And if you've got your Bibles with you or you've got a, an app on your device, I'd love you to be able to read it through with me because it's, um, it's just a, a really good way to connect in with the story. So let's read this together. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I, I appeal to you on the basis of love as is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you would do would not seem forced, but that it would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever and no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother 
He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. So refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Oh, and one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What an amazing letter. So Paul writes this letter to Philemon about um, a slave that uh, Philemon had working in his house who's stolen something and run away. The letter is sent personally to Philemon, but we see in a lot of Paul's letters that he actually writes most of his letters, apart from things like Timothy, to actual church communities to encourage them in, in a wider sort of a space. But this one he sent um, specifically to Philemon to encourage him and also to the church that meets in his house. Philemon hosted and probably led a vibrant church house in the city of Colossae. And even though uh, Paul had never been to Colossae, um, he still had a close attachment to Philemon and the church that met in his house there. So he sends this letter, and this is, this is how most churches were encouraged to sort of continue in their faith, was by having these letters sent and then read out at their meetings, read out like, just like we did just then, and encouragement so these letters would get copied and then handed around to other church communities in the area. As most people uh, didn't really read, the oral tradition of, of sending these encouragements was quite common. And Paul greets uh, Philemon's family. We think Aphia and Archippus might have been uh, Philemon's wife and son, but they also might have been workers in that house church as well. But what do we see uh, happening in this first part of the story? Paul has a big favour to ask Philemon, which has big feelings attached. And in verses four to seven there, we, he thanks God as he remembers him in his prayers because he hears about his love for all his holy people. In this section here, Paul's kind of setting Philemon up to, to actually take on a request from Paul that's actually gonna be pretty challenging for him. He reminds Philemon about the refreshing love that he's shown so that his request for a favour can be seen in this kind of love, this kind of refreshing, full-on love. A bit of the backstory of Paul and Philemon is that actually Paul led Philemon to the Lord um, at some point, probably not in the city of Colossae, but um, so they've, they've got this really close connection and relationship as brothers and fellow ministers in, in the Word and in the church there. So Paul kind of sees himself as Philemon's spiritual, uh, spiritual father. 
Philemon, uh, we know, was a fairly wealthy man because he held the church in his house and had quite some influence in the area and was the owner of slaves and uh, servants. And one of these was a man named Onesimus. Ironically, Onesimus's name means profitable or useful. And what we see in this story here is that actually after Onesimus had stolen money from Philemon, he became way less profitable than he was when he was working at the house. And this is where we see the grace of God intersect the stories of these three men. Onesimus makes his getaway with the loot and decides to run away to Rome. He's gonna go to the big city and spend up big, have a great time there, much like the, uh, the younger son in the parable of the... Of the um, what is it? The lost son, the parable of the lost son. So he gets to Rome, spends up big, but at some point he gets himself into trouble, whether he's spent all his money and he's gone, you know what, I think I can do this again and tries to steal some more maybe, who knows. But he runs into trouble with the law and ends up in prison. Ironically, he ends up in the same prison where Paul is and after some time, Paul and Onesimus must have gotten to know each other at some point. Paul spends time with Onesimus enough to lead him to the Lord in the prison that they're staying in. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I read the entire book of Acts in one sitting because I wanted to get a bit of a, an idea of what the storyline for Paul was in one hit. Like quite often we take bits and pieces out of a book like the, the book of Acts. And we, we miss out on the continuous story of, of a person's life. And with, with the life of Paul, every opportunity that was presented to him to spread the gospel after his encounter on the road to Damascus, he took every opportunity. And this was one of them. He gets to know this guy Onesimus and sees that his, his life's not gonna go very, very far at all. He leads him to the Lord. And in that, in that space, there must have been some conversation that, um, that Onesimus was from Colossae and that he was actually working for Philemon, who was a friend of Paul's already. Only God could orchestrate a meeting like this and a situation like this. Paul's friend Philemon has a slave who steals and runs away and ends up in the same prison as Paul. It's just the most incredible story and I reckon Paul must have nearly fallen off his chair when the name Philemon is mentioned. And so as Onesimus's time in prison comes to an end, Paul decides to send him back and write this letter to Philemon. Paul sends Onesimus back to where he's come from, where he's stolen from his master and run away. And in the first and second centuries and in, in those times, if a slave ran away or did something wrong or stole, their owners held their lives in their hand. For Onesimus, uh, Philemon would be uh, quite within his rights to brand his forehead with either the letters T or R for thief or runaway. He could brand him for life. That would mean that Onesimus would never get work anywhere else again. The only place that he would find employment is back in Philemon's house. He had the right to actually crucify uh, Onesimus as a slave owner. Um, quite often, if, if slaves had done something wrong, they would be crucified just to show the other slaves in their employment, 
not to do anything wrong like that again. So sending Onesimus back is actually putting him right into a pretty precarious situation, depending on how Philemon operates and how he responds. How would we respond in a situation like this? After the mistrust and anger and hurt or betrayal or loss, could we possibly love someone again that's taken advantage of us? Would we ever commit to restoring our relationship with that person? Or would we reject and hold back and push away? Because it's our response that shows us what kind of fruit that we're growing. And Paul asks Philemon to do this favour by taking Onesimus back. He asks a generous man to be even more generous. He appeals to Philemon on the basis of their relationship to see the change that's happened in Onesimus. He's going, look, Philemon, I'm not sending back the same man that you knew before. The man you knew before was a thief and a runaway. He's now a brother in Christ. And he he talks about this um, in the verses 8 to 14. He goes, I don't want you to do any of this thing without your consent. He goes, I don't want to do you a favour that's forced. I want this to be voluntary. But he goes, I appeal to you for my son who has become my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. Because Onesimus' life has been turned around because he's given it to Christ. He's received something that's gonna impact the rest of his life. He's no longer gonna be this runaway slave. Paul uses the humour of, of the, the wording of Onesimus' name, profitable or useful. He changes it now. He's gonna be the stealer of hearts now, Paul kind of said. He kind of, you know, um, suggests that Onesimus is not gonna be a thief of money anymore, but he's gonna be a stealer of hearts for the Lord. Similar to the way that Jesus changed Peter's name from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. So what's Philemon's response? How do we respond with the fruits of the Spirit? A couple of weeks ago, our youth pastor, Tiani, spoke about putting on love like a garment. It's when we put on this love, when the love of God comes from inside of us that we're able to, um, we're able to enact this activating force in our life that can respond with forgiveness and restoration for other people. And sometimes, like Philemon, we need to be reminded of what our response should be, don't we? Because the thing is, we don't just have courage. We're invited to respond courageously. We don't just have forgiveness. We respond by forgiving. We don't just have compassion for people. We respond compassionately. It's our response out of the love that we have from Christ that makes a difference. These are the fruits that come because we are first clothed in love. We see others in a new light when we're looking at Jesus and we can respond to them with forgiveness and reconciliation because we've received that personally from Jesus. 
The reason Onesimus would be able to go back and be restored into that family is because firstly, Philemon had given his life to Christ. And secondly, because Onesimus had too. Both of them had come to this point where they saw that their life didn't belong to themselves anymore. Both would be a slave to Christ, as Paul calls himself as well. It's this kind of Jesus-following life that introduces a new type of relationship between people which the human grades of society cease to matter anymore. Later on, in a letter to the Colossian church in Colossae, Paul explains this a bit more, using this very situation between Philemon and Onesimus to talk to the church. He says to them um, in Colossians 3.11, he goes, now there's no slave or free. There's no Philemon's and Onesimus's anymore. They're no different. They're brothers in Christ. There's no Jew or Greek, male or female. All of us are one in Christ. The things that we use to separate ourselves from other people, the labels and the, the classes that we put onto people don't have any value. They're not Onesimus for us. They're not valuable and they're not profitable for us. Paul takes on the debt that Onesimus owes to to show Philemon that he's serious about this this favour that he's going to ask. It kind of shows that when we forgive someone, when we restore them, it removes the debt from the debtor. Paul jokingly reminds Philemon too that that he led him to the Lord. He he talks about that there. Um, What does he say? Oh my gosh. He writes this, he says, not to mention that you owe me your very self. He sort of says to Philemon, you know, you owe me your eternal life because I was the one who led you to the Lord. I want you to to do this favour for Onesimus. I want you to see his life as as valuable as yours. But how does this little letter become profitable for us? What is it that we ought to do so some questions. And band, you can come up if you like. What labels or conditions do we place on people that change how we see and respond to them? Or what are the labels and conditions that we put on ourselves that assume how God sees us? If we saw ourselves and others through the lenses of active, restoring Jesus' love, how would that change our day tomorrow? How would we respond differently to the people in our worlds? How would we respond differently to family members who've hurt us or friends who haven't been loyal? I think one of the keys to this is in verse five and six. Paul encourages Philemon and the church to deepen our understanding of every good thing that we share in Christ. The good things that we share in Christ are that that similar love that we can have for others that overlooks the multitude of sins. The kind of response that we have to people because of the love that we've received from Jesus Christ. And I think it changes our capacity to respond to people with the fruits of the Spirit, empowered by the love that we're clothed in, we have the capacity to influence way more than just our personal relationships. 
this can become a world-changing thing. I know the organisation Efficor um, don't just operate as an organisation that distribute money and do programs. The reason they exist is because they love people. They love people first and they see needs that they can respond to compassionately. And that's the way that we can be involved in those things. Our spirits connect with those spirits and so we, we get to share those things in Christ together. After this situation was resolved between Philemon and Onesimus, slavery in the Christian community in the first century almost completely died out because of Paul's encouragement to the churches to to see each other as one in Christ. Slavery completely died out. Christian masters no longer held people as slaves, but elevated them to servants in their home no longer holding their lives as a ransom for duty, but dignity and freedom for them. And Onesimus was so restored that church history tells us he became such a great leader in the church. He became the Bishop of the city of Ephesus in the church there. A short one page letter written 2000 years ago from one friend to another for the sake of one other person, changed a lot. It changed one life in Onesimus. It changed two with Philemon. It changed that household. It changed that church. Then it started to change culture in that place. And pretty soon it changed communities far and wide. So who is it that Jesus might be encouraging you to write a short one-page letter to? Who is it that needs a text from you to encourage and to build up, to share the things of Christ with each other? Who's the person that you could tell this week that you are a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for these these little stories with, with big outcomes. We thank You, Lord, for people like Paul who took the opportunity to, to reach out to people because he loved them, because he'd received love from You. The impact of that, Lord, is just an incredible thing. That He would see the value in in one person from being able to write to churches of many people to actually be concerned about this one person and to change his life forever by introducing him to You. That response to an opportunity is just such a mind-blowing concept to think of, Lord. And so often we have those opportunities too and we, we pass them by. Lord, I pray that You would help our spirits to be open to Your Spirit. That when we are presented with an opportunity like this, Lord, to to share something of ourselves, to encourage someone and show them love, to respond to them in compassion. and Lord, that You would help us to be the courageous person to take that opportunity. May it be, Lord, that... um, 
We're never afraid to step into a situation that you've already orchestrated around us and take a simple step to introduce somebody to you. We just pray it in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media. It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.